Welcome to the Side Hustle Project, a podcast where we explore the nitty-gritty details behind what it takes to start and grow a profitable side hustle. I'm your host, Ryan Robinson, and in this podcast, I'm bringing you interviews with entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, CEOs, investors, and people just like you who are building and profiting from interesting side hustles. In today's episode, we're talking to Uri Pomerantz, the CEO of Twine, the investing and savings app built for couples and specifically millennials. Launched less than a year ago as an internal startup within the financial services giant John Hancock, Twine has already grown to several hundred thousands of users. And the way Uri ended up launching his company as a part of John Hancock is actually pretty interesting. After getting multiple degrees from both Stanford and Harvard universities, Uri found himself working for companies like Goldman Sachs and the consulting juggernaut McKinsey for a few years. Then he felt like it was the right time to strike out on his own. So Uri founded his first business, Bright Frontier Financial. And this company was built around providing access to affordable college loan financing through an innovative piece of technology he developed that connected borrowers with high quality banking partners. After a couple of years working on that business, Uri actually shifted gears and teamed up with a friend to launch Guide Financial in 2012. And Guide used artificial intelligence to help investors make better planning decisions. Just three years later, John Hancock acquired Guide and Uri began laying the foundation for what would soon become Twine. In this episode, Uri and I talk about how he and his team have grown the Twine app into the hundreds of thousands of users, including the exact growth strategies his team has leveraged throughout the different stages of their business. We cover how Uri and his team at Guide Financial position themselves to be an attractive acquisition target for John Hancock, including a massive partnership they brokered with Intuit, connecting them directly with over 19,000 financial institutions and multiplying their customer base virtually overnight. We dig into Uri's best advice for those of you wanting to grow your own side businesses, some of the creative tests and experiments he's tried over the years, and more. As always, you can find everything we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at ryrob.com slash podcast. That's spelled R-Y-R-O-B dot com slash podcast. Let's get into today's interview with Uri Pomerantz. Uri, welcome to the show. Great to be here. So the first question I want to ask you today, Uri, is one that I've been asking to all of the guests here on the show. So what book are you reading right now or what's been a favorite of yours recently? Great question. Uh, I'm reading Measure What Matters uh, by John Doerr. Not sure if you've read it, but really inspiring book. Uh, takes this idea of you know one of the most successful venture capitalists in the world, John Doerr, and, and you know his legacy in terms of what's the biggest thing he's really proud of and, and built in his career. And for him, it's taking this system of OKRs that they started at Intel years ago and you know, a huge part of uh, Andy Grove's success in Intel and actually getting this uh, instituted at Google in their first year. So you know, very interesting analogy about taking a very visionary business leadership team like Google, but actually you know, some of the most difficult stuff isn't the initial tech, but actually the execution. So this book brings to life the idea of how do you actually set uh, ambitious business goals um, that start, you know, at the top, a cascade across the organization, uh, and both you know really inspire uh, amazing results, but also get people on the same page in in this you know deeply transparent way. So a you know, fantastic read. Man, I love the sound of that. I'm adding this to my list right now. So you're uh, we're here to talk today 
about you and your company Twine, which is a saving and investing app designed specifically for couples. But Mm -hmm. before we dig into the specifics of how you've built and grown Twine, I wanted to touch a little bit on your personal story. So, you know, right before we started recording, uh, we discovered that we're actually from very small towns near to Mm -hmm. each other. So you grew up in Fresno, California, correct? That's right. Actually, I was born uh, in Israel to uh, Israeli mom and American dad. Uh, and then when I was uh, three or four years old, uh, my dad decided to, to move over, uh, take the family back to America uh, and actually ended up going all the way from Jerusalem to California. But it wasn't, you know, sort of these more glamorous places, L.A. or, or San Francisco, but actually Fresno. Um, but yeah, such a small world to, to meet other folks from Fresno um, working in tech. <laughs> how did you or how did your parents rather land on Fresno as the destination? I think I sort of tell this joke about my parents grew up in this sort of Fresno equivalent of Israel called Ashkelon, which is a little bit in the middle of nowhere. But uh, my dad was a, was a dentist and had a, a friend from grad school that uh, lived out there. And they said, hey, why don't we move to Fresno um, just for a year? And, you know, a year later, they sold their car. Uh, two years later, you know, they sold their apartment. And then, you know, 30 years later, they're you know fully, uh, fully living in California and embracing that life. So Kind of a really interesting journey of life, how you know, these like small decisions end up having a uh, really big like compound impact. Man, that's fascinating. When was the first time um, growing up that you feel like you really took on something that you would consider an entrepreneurial endeavor? So, you know, whether it was a product, service, or other kind of business you worked on? Yeah, great, great question. I would say, uh, uh, I remember back in high school days, uh, started or was in the process of starting a company with a friend of mine. Uh, called DTS Test Prep, which was a dare to succeed. So, you know, we were, we were hustling, working uh, uh, around just working on the SAT and all these different tests that you have to take to get into college um, and just didn't find anything that was really resonating with us. It, it felt all too expensive, uh, difficult to access. Uh, and so we basically, as I don't know how old we were, like 15, 16, um, put together the series of content, uh, flashcards, um, started printing it out, designing it, and actually went all the way up to the Bay Area, uh, which was a big trip for us at the time, uh, and pitched the, the SBA uh, for a small business loan. And, and we're just on the edge of getting started um, when, uh, when I, I went off to college. Um, but my friend actually moved back to Fresno, and he's actually running a successful test prep business right now as well. So kind of a small world about how that like uh, initial kernel of entrepreneurship uh, can lead to sort of that, that bug that you have uh, for the rest of your life. Wow, that's crazy. And you you may have just accidentally dated yourself here. Um, you said you were doing printouts at first, right? Yes. So we're going, I'm sort of thinking back to, you know, a couple of decades here, but it you was know, sort of the, we're looking at the manufacturing process for printing uh, uh, sort of flashcards and printouts and, and what that would look like at scale. And, and uh, this is, you know, days, you know, you know, like years before 3D printing and and just the, the low cost of getting anything in the market. So we're looking at the old school way of, uh, of launching a traditional product back then. I love that. So you were, for your undergrad, you went to Stanford and after that you got a master's in public administration from Harvard. And it looks to me like you were also getting an MBA from Stanford's graduate school of business while you were studying at Harvard. So first of all, how, and secondly, why the intense focus on education at this point in your life? For me, uh, education feels like such a gift and, and such a passion uh, and just a, a way to really transform your life. 
really can't complain about uh, my childhood from Fresno, but I did have that sense of uh, realizing I was really far away from kind of the center of the action, you know, where companies are built, where, where big ideas are exchanged. I kind of knew there was more, more to the world than just the, the small town feel. So I had this like desperate drive to uh, obviously have a, have a great like childhood and, and, and um, really enjoyed my time growing up there. But I had this drive to, to get out, uh, to do bigger things, to, to, to make a life for myself outside of, uh, of that town. So that kind of energy um, caused me to, to really, really uh, uh, elevate the, the value of education very highly. So I applied, um, got into Stanford, um, had, had this huge uh, high school. I was the only one that got into Stanford. I think it was so much to do with, with luck as well, but I just worked really hard and, and, um, and pushed. And, and just sort of seeing uh, the quality of the education really changed my life. Less about the actual education, but more around sort of the, the mindset that you have. And you don't need like a fancy college degree to get this mindset, but just this idea of, of setting bigger, bigger goals, uh, this idea of trying things, failing, learning, trying again, that sort of kernel really uh, kicked up in college. Um, and since then, uh, in, in college, I started, a, I had a, my great aunt in Israel was killed by a terrorist. Um, and I ended up starting a microfinance nonprofit with Palestinians, Israelis, and Americans. Um, and that got me hooked on, on entrepreneurship. Uh, even outside the U.S. as well. And so part of that was wanting to learn about how do I do this at scale? How do the best companies in the world do this? Um, how do the best nonprofits in the world uh, do this? Which was the, the whole MBA component. But the other piece of it was um, how can governments uh, and, and, and sort of major nonprofits, NGOs do this as well? So two very different worlds, but I think they, they both uh, have a lot of overlap um, in my heart and in the world. And so I tried to engineer a, a joint degree with Harvard and Stanford to basically go back and forth uh, over three years and, and get a, a master's in uh, international economics, as well as doing an MBA. So pretty different program, but uh, just really fascinating seeing both worlds, um, uh, how people think, you know, on the on the public sector side versus uh, the business side and, and the commonalities as well there. Where were you living at the time that you were doing this dual degree um, from two universities on opposite sides of the country? I was just uh, uh, living on both sides. So I started out in California, uh, went out to, to Boston and split my third year uh, back and forth. So it was uh, getting used to, to life on a plane and, and uh, apartments that I sort of rent for a couple months at a time, which is good as well, traveling light. Yeah, I like that. Um, so uh, Yuri, after graduate school, um, you spent a couple of years working for a McKinsey & Company, one of the big consulting firms, right? So pretty shortly thereafter, um, you co-found Guide Financial. Can you tell us a bit about that company? Sure, yeah. So so I uh, had the entrepreneurial bug for my microfinance work. Um, always knew I wanted to start a company. And, and uh, you know, the, the oppor- opportunity cost kind of keeps going up over your life. Um, and so I just had this this urge to, to quit and start something. Um and you know it's it's pretty rare for consultants just to have that that sort of drive, and I wanted to to sort of force myself to make it happen. Um, always been really passionate about uh, you know businesses that can actually truly change lives. Um, and I know that sounds a little bit like a Silicon Valley cliche, but uh, I feel like you know everyone listening to this podcast, you know, starting is is really tough. You've got the world against you. You've got a bunch of people saying no up front. You have to have that that deep why, that inner drive to kind of push you through and get people to support you and, and everything else that you need to succeed. Um, and so for me, I had this immense passion around uh, helping people um, live happier lives and, and really uh, 
uh, improve their finances as a way to to really thrive as human beings. You know, you look around the world. Um, so many of us are, are struggling with our finances, trying to to pay off debt, just trying to get by, um, not even thinking about retirement. Um, and it's a it's a real problem. We've seen that in our country um, manifest itself in the last election and and sort of around the world. And so with Guide, um, you know, I was using Mint.com and other PFM softwares, but nothing really helped me figure out what to do with my student loans, how to start saving, um, what I should think about my finances. And even though I had an MBA, I just wasn't, uh, just didn't, no one ever taught me this stuff. And it was, it seemed really complicated. So I felt like if I had this problem with, uh, with this, this financial background, there's, there's probably going to be millions of other folks with this. So we saw this opportunity, actually joined up with, uh, with a partner of mine from, uh, from grad school. And we said, let's build a company that can help, uh, kind of everyday folks, middle class folks like ourselves, um, figure out what to do with their finances, uh, and get in a better place. So very rapidly, uh, we ended up realizing that the financial advisor market was a great place for us to distribute because it was a small world of financial advisors. We can hustle and get press to you know number of leading leading uh, publications and be able to reach you know the three hundred thousand advisors in the U.S. Um, and we can talk to our customers. We could really figure out if we're building the right product. We can get early evangelists. So it was a super exciting uh, market to start with. What we end up building was basically a product that did two things. Uh, first, it was basically kind of like a mint.com for advisors. So for financial advisors that want to serve people of all income, uh, all uh, uh, asset levels, it helps them connect their finances, uh, be able to see how people are doing from their debt to student loans to the 401k, and be able to have a holistic view of their, uh, of their finances which believe it or not, was sort of a rarity in the financial advisory industry just a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And the second thing was we started getting really excited about uh, going beyond just you know seeing your finances, but actually trying to ignite behavior change, um, get people to actually change what they're doing, how much they're saving, how much they're spending, which is the really impactful, but the toughest kind of work in, in our business. So what we did was we kind of cobbled together and put together uh, a, a sort of light machine learning system that would look at your finances, um, look for opportunities to improve, whether it's saving part of your income, whether it's funding your accounts in a different order, um, whatever it might be, and actually send you different types of notifications, text messages, emails, things that are positively stated, uh, things that are negatively stated, um, and trying to optimize for what type of messaging, what time of day uh, would be most effective to actually drive behavior change. And so we got really excited about these two things, both helping people see the big picture of their finances and also helping them actually change, change behavior. So I know that you guys pulled off some really solid partnerships too while you were running Guide, um, one with Intuit that I was able to track down, and I'm sure that was pretty impactful for the business. So how did you guys forge partnerships like this? Oh, yeah, with Intuit, I mean, it, it all started with, with Hustle. So I think Intuit was one of our biggest partnerships, uh, and and for Guide, it really drove the core of uh, of the data and uh, the value we're adding to our users. What was happening with their finances, um, transactions, account data, all this stuff. And so I think part of the the challenge was we were just a, a small startup um, without a brand name yet, um, and had to do this. So for Intuit, we you know we looked at the whole market. There were a couple other players. Um, that were doing things that were potentially uh, good for us to consider, but Intuit just had the best um, product and pricing and approach. Um, so we did to, to, 
to uh, get that partnership was basically just just hustle. Um, rather than going into um, just emailing their form, we wanted to figure out how into it was structured, who was running the group, uh, and, and got a warm introduction to the head of the group and just had a really good uh, kind of initial conversation about our business, uh, how their product would help us, uh, and, and sort of the strategic value of working together and, and tried to back channel it um, to get started with the partnership. I like that. And eventually, um, you know, you guys sell Guide to John Hancock, you know, one of these major um, players in the finance world. So how did that acquisition materialize? Yeah, so it, it kind of started with this idea of, you know, we were running Guide. Um, we had a few hundred companies using it, you know, a few hundred million dollars uh, linked to it. And it was going well. Um, but, you know, my, my co-founder and I we were having these like long heart to hearts and trying to figure out what is the next step. And we started getting really excited about this idea of not just working through financial advisors, but working you know, directly with consumers and actually helping people directly. Uh, and in addition, we wanted to not only have kind of read-only guidance and, and websites, uh, but actually manage money directly and, and be able to impact uh, behavior change. And so we were looking at opportunities to raise money and, and talking to VCs. Um, but at the same time, uh, we ended up having a lot of conversations with uh, more strategic investors like John Hancock and had a, a really good fit with uh, with someone uh, very senior in the organization that worked with the CEO uh, and was looking at John Hancock saying, you know, here's this big company, you know, we, we have billions of dollars of revenue, but we really want to, uh, to take our innovation to the next level. And you guys, um, while you're much smaller, um, you know, based in Silicon Valley, know how to build products, know how to hustle, uh, know how to talk to customers. That kind of skill set uh, and approach could be really valuable uh, across our uh, our larger company. So basically, it was the the combination of um, you know uh, lots of conversations, sort of felt like a dating process over six months. You know, two hour phone calls, getting to know each other, digging down into sort of what what drives me, what drives them, uh, what what we could do this uh, together with this uh, with this work, um, and sort of all these really big thinking kind of founder dating type of conversations that you have at the, the start of any startup. Um, and so I really started building trust and, and um, the same with them. Uh, and given that we were a small startup, uh, we, you know, they tried to sort of initially put us through a kind of quick, rapid acquisition process. Um, but at some point they said, hey, um, given we're a Fortune 500 company, let's do, let's do it sort of the uh, traditional way. And they put us through this the same process that they had used for kind of a multi-billion dollar acquisition just a year earlier. Um, so it was all the consultants, accountants, um, M&A folks involved, which is a pretty fascinating process as well. Um, but just a lot of, you know, at, at the core of it was getting to know people, um, getting to buy into each other's visions and building a lot of trust around uh, if we do this together, if we make this choice, um, can we be better together? Can we, st- can we build this business in a stronger um, bigger, more enabled way, and just a lot of um, kind of trust building and uh, conversations to get to know each other over the better part of, of a year. Yeah, I like that it was the very collaborative, kind of mutually beneficial process to to ending up actually striking a deal. Yeah, exactly. So this brings us up to um, you know close to the present day now, actually. So um, Twine, the app that you're pretty much all in on right now, from what I can see. So can you give our listeners here today a better um, rundown of the app in case I didn't do it justice at the beginning of the show? Sure. Yeah. So so Twine uh, is an app that helps anyone uh, reach their financial goals. Um, so what we do is uh, 
for most folks, it's really daunting to get started, to start saving or investing. Um, you know, most people, you know, lots of folks in the country just feel like they either don't have enough money to get started uh, or they want to work with a financial advisor, but, you know, uh, it just doesn't feel like the right thing to do. So what Twine does is we want to make that much easier uh, and basically help people on their own terms. So what it, how it works is you download uh, an iPhone app or go to our website, uh, walk through a really simple, beautifully designed process that takes you step by step, uh, to, you know, starting with first, what matters to you? Do you want to you want to start saving for an emergency to reduce the stress if you lose your job or have an income hit? Do you have a wedding that's top of mind? Do you want to think longer term towards your retirement? You know, what what really matters to you and, and um, kind of working with you on that. Then for each uh, goal that you select, being able to say, hey, do you want to do this on your own or do you want to partner uh, with uh, with your spouse, uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever to work on it together? And we make that process super, super simple. And lastly, what we do is for every goal, uh, we can help you just save uh, in, a, in a simple savings account and be able to earn an interest rate on that or be able to build a, a personalized investment portfolio for you uh, based on your risk preferences, based on your goals. So what we're doing is looking to people, uh, looking to help people just get started on uh, any financial life goal they have, big or small, and then really help you set up uh, uh, an effective savings habit where um, you can go through the process, sign up, open an account, and then go on and live the rest of your life and, and sort of look back every few months and actually see the progress you're building uh, and, and make progress towards your goal. Yeah. I, what I really like most about the way that it's communicated and you know, even what you just said right here is that the focus is very much so on, you know, we already know the right kinds of habits that you should be using, um, best practices and stuff like that. And we're going to give you our recommendations on you know, how often you should be saving, how much you should be saving based on, you know, income levels, things like that. Um, and it's sort of a set it and forget it model, um, at least forget in the short term. Um, and, and I really like that. I think that's something that appeals a lot to especially the millennials today. Totally. I think, it, you know, finances that, you know, we found is one of those areas where uh, there are people that are just totally into it, power users, uh, getting into all the books, all, all the, the podcasts on it. But for the vast majority of people, uh, myself included, uh, finances are a tool that can help you get towards your goal. Uh, and so what we find is it takes the, the sort of like big life events to have people revisit their finances. So lose a job, get a new job, get married, get divorced, uh, you know, into a relationship, uh, start developing new goals. And during those big life events, we want to help people kind of look at their finances and and make progress today. And I think one of the most powerful things is um, just the, the power of compound interest. So the the most useful thing, you know, uh, in what we're doing, in my opinion, is uh, helping to change behavior and doing that in a way where um, you can work on a goal and say, hey, I want to save uh, $2,000 towards my vacation or uh, $10,000 towards buying a house, whatever it might be. Uh, and we make it really, really simple to say, hey, if you save another 10 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or whatever it might be, you can get to your goal faster by this many months or this many years. So making it really, really tangible for folks around, um, you know, why it's worth saving a little bit more. And once you set up that savings habit, that's where the power kicks in because you start building uh, wealth. You, you save a little bit without really feeling it. Uh, and then you have a compound uh, interest working in your favor, which is you know one of the most 
powerful forces uh, in finance working towards towards your goal. As a ballpark figure, how many people are using Twine today? Yeah, so I'd say we're we're in the hundreds of thousands of uh, of downloads. So we've created uh, you know broad awareness across the country. Uh, we have thousands of users, and you know as an early stage startup, what we're doing is uh, trying to focus our team on weekly growth. So looking at uh, sort of top benchmarks for for week over week growth. Uh, y Combinator, for example, likes to uh, advise their startups to grow at about five to seven percent uh, per week in terms of their their key metrics. And if you can consistently grow for five to seven percent per week, which is in the the thousands of percents per year, you're basically like crushing it uh, as a startup. So we're also in that range as well. Uh, many weeks we're growing like far beyond that, uh, but using that that similar metric around uh, can we grow at five to seven percent per week and that's been a super helpful way um, to help our team uh, orient itself. So, so our marketing org is focused on you know, the channels that we're using to acquire new customers. Um, we're looking at overall assets as a way to, um, to add value in people's lives and, and also uh, contribute to our business model, things like this, and, and looking at uh, getting to that 5 to 7% weekly growth number on a consistent basis. I'm glad you mentioned marketing channels there, um, because this is something that's always of personal interest to me as a marketer by trade, really. Um, so, you know, I can imagine over the years um, that you've been working on Twine that those marketing channels, uh, the ones that are most effective anyway, have changed quite a bit. So, do you remember what was, say, most effective getting to your first 1,000 users when you guys launched? And then, you know, maybe touching on too, what, what's working best today? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, so, for the first, you know, couple thousand users, uh, well, honestly, it was just basically hustling and saying, "Hey, we've got five thousand people at uh, John Hancock, another you know, tens of thousands of people at our parent company." So we just hustled, got folks at our company to to sign up, got friends and family signed up, uh, started uh, doing uh, you know product hunt. We were featured as as uh, in the top five on product hunt when we launched. Uh, so things like this, just getting out there, um, word of mouth is where we wanted to start, and I think that kind of thing should and always uh, will be kind of a, a primary driver for us because it points to uh, you know deep customer delight. Is this a product that I love? Is it a product that I want to to help share with others? And using that sort of uh, delight as a, as a metric for kind of core organic growth. Uh, but then second, uh, in terms of what we're doing, uh, I mentioned a lot about behavior change. So part of what we're doing is it's, it's not sort of, you know, our product isn't quite as top of mind as like the hottest new game or um, whatever it might be. And so what we need to do is, is do a lot of awareness advertising as well. So we found that Instagram uh, is working really well, uh, Facebook, a number of other uh, paid channels um, where people are starting to kind of see the brand multiple times, start thinking about their goals, uh, seeing things in a different way until, uh, you know, they've seen it four or five times and, and pull the trigger and, and get started. So uh, just going, you know, really heavy on sort of all the traditional pay channels, uh, both as a as a source of growth, but also as a as a way to uh, evaluate different value props and figure out what's resonating best with with who. Um, but going forward, uh, a, a lot of what we're doing in marketing is uh, is continuing to do growth hacking and just uh, experimenting. So we're looking at podcasts, we're looking at YouTube, we're looking at uh, you know in market uh, physical. Um, uh, advertising, we sponsored marathons, uh, you know, everything from giving away swag to, to other stuff as well. So we're trying a bunch of different things and taking a, a really kind of 
hypothesis-driven scientific approach to every single channel that we're, we're testing. Yeah, that testing mindset is key. Um, but Uri, we're, we're nearing the end of our interview here. Um, so I want to ask you um, the last question that I actually have jotted down here for you. Um, what would you say has been the best investment you've ever made in the context of growing your business? So this could be in the form of time, money, tools, products, services, education, or otherwise even. Great, great question. Um, I feel without a doubt the best investment I made is rolling up my sleeves and getting into, uh, into technology. So what I mean by that is, uh, you know, I studied computer science in college, um, but never really worked, you know, after school as a, as a programmer. Uh, and was developing different business ideas, et cetera, but really felt constrained because I couldn't actually uh, build the technology myself. And at the start of Guide, I basically rolled up my sleeves and said, hey, like this is a difficult technology. I've got a steep learning curve, but basically through uh, you know, hundreds of hours of learning and just sheer willpower at it and came out of it with a deep confidence in how systems are built, the ability to understand uh, sort of what's happening in technology and be able to be effective as we started growing and hiring the engineering team. So just kind of rolling up uh, my sleeves, getting deep into code uh, and be able to, to use that as a competitive advantage. Yeah. And I mean, that's a, that's an investment that will have payoffs and dividends over the years. Definitely. Too. And it's also personally very fun. So I think I would, I would advise anyone uh, to kind of look to where you get flow. You know, those activities where you feel super energized, you lose track of time, you're just at your happiest uh, state. And for me, programming is one of those things. And I think it's different for everyone, but, Find those things and and remember that you know at the very beginning it's always tough and you know it, it wasn't easy to ride a bike it fall you know fall off the bike many times um, but with anything so kind of following that energy and then doubling down in terms of your time and uh, and give it time and you will get there. That's great advice and Uri, this is an awesome place to wrap. Great, yeah, check us out on the Apple uh, App Store uh, for if you have an iPhone or go to Twine.com. T W I N E. All right. Awesome. Well, Uri, thank you again for joining us. Thanks so much, Ryan. Pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of the Side Hustle Project, I would love your support. Head on over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating. And as always, you can catch every episode of the Side Hustle Project on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.